welcome. You're listening to The Rescue Radio, a podcast by Portland Mountain Rescue. And I'm your host, Anja Viktorovich. Hi, friends. Today, I have a special guest from Seattle Mountain Rescue, Sherry Higman. Hi, Sherry. Hi, Anya. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> um, so Sherry uh, agreed to talk about her very first missions that happened within 24 hours. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty exciting. So before we jump in, Sherry, can you talk about yourself a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Hi, I'm Sherry Higman. Uh, you see her, hers pronouns. And I am the first female chairperson for Seattle Mountain Rescue. We've been around. I know, it's insane. Um, we've been around since 1948. So it's pretty awesome that we have female leadership. And I've been part of Seattle Mountain Rescue for six or seven years now at this point as a field member. And I've been the chairperson for about 18 months now. My tenure will be up in October. And I like to climb. I like to ski. I like to mountain bike. I love outdoor education. I'm an educator by trade. And I love snow. So I also do um, some avalanche education as well. So that's me in a nutshell. Fantastic. Thank you. And then how many how many members are in uh, Seattle Mountain Rescue right now? Yeah. So I think all in all, we have about 91 members on our roster and about six or seven of them are admin. We have a handful of support members. And I would say the active field members is somewhere around 70, I would say. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Thank you for all that you do for our community. You are appreciated. Yeah, back at you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So let's jump right in. So your very first three missions within 24 hours. Yeah. Let's start so with yeah. the first one. <laughs> The first one. So it's interesting. So you kind of just with Seattle Mountain Rescue, uh, all our members are kind of required to come in with this base level of climbing and technical skills. And then we get all trained up on the rigging and radios and search techniques and whatnot. And so I've been part of the unit for a couple of months at this point. I joined in the winter, which is pretty slow. And so I basically went on a mission that sometimes we get called out to look for people that have intentionally wandered off in the middle of the winter to um, end their lives. And so my first mission was to find this person, which we did find this individual. And so it was on my books. I knew I was going to do this mission. And as we were concluding that mission, another one rolled on up. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, nice warm day and somebody basically across the valley had fallen off a very, very popular trail, slid down about 75 to hundred feet, not vertical, but slid downhill, got pretty cut up, but ended up breaking both their femur and their pelvic um, bone. So it was, it was That's pretty intense. Point. Yeah. And this individual was in a lot of pain. They had their children with them. And it was pretty emotional for the family because there were young kids that were with, so had to comfort them and provide them some emotional support while also caring for, for this individual. But what was really unique was because we were right there, like 10 minutes away from the trailhead, me and another brand new member, we call ourselves novice members our first year, were the first ones in the field. He was an EMT and I had woofer. So we had the training required to basically run in and start making assessments to understand what resources need to be brought into the field. And so it was really pretty kind of cool just to be there, like mm -hmm. hands-on, like 
in my first year, having a real impact in this individual's experience as well as their family members too. Cause I think oftentimes the family and the people that are on the side get ignored. So it was great to also be able to provide that comfort. And what ended up happening was I think we had probably around 20 to 30 rescuers in total. Mm-hmm. Myself and the EMT that I went in with ended up using a vacuum splint. It's like this portable backboard that you can really shape around somebody, which provides the person with like a lot of support and comfort as they get rolled down the trail. And so what was extra kind of cool and extraordinary for this was medics, paramedics were able to come in and they were able to provide some, some medication to help her with her comfort on her way down because being in a litter, being rolled down a mountain for three miles with a broken femur and pelvic isn't, isn't very comfortable. So it was really great to see like three different units of medic system come in and all work together and it went pretty seamless. So like as far as just really starting to understand like the impact that I can have um, in this type of work, we're wrapping up, get back home, starting to decompress after these first two missions. And we get another call out Mm -hmm. and somebody had fallen, slipped about 1,500 to 2,000 feet on one of our volcanoes in Washington and the county needed additional support. So me and the same member, the EMT (laughs) that I went on in with, went down. So within, you know, less than 24 hours, we're into mission three, looking for this individual on this volcano. And we ended up getting about three hours of sleep before we headed up at one o'clock in the morning to start Mm. climbing. So we could be at high camp um, by the time sun rose. And it was a beautiful sunrise, very exhausted. And we spent hours searching upper upper realms of this volcano. We ended up having to uh, huddle up at, uh, not the summit, but a little bit below the summit when uh, some weather system came in, just some low clouds. And we wanted to be able to see and continue our search. And that was actually pretty cold. And eventually we did get helicoptered off in a Black Hawk helicopter, which again, this is literally (laughs) my third mission in 24 (laughs) hours, third mission as a part of a member of SMR. And I'm in a Black Hawk helicopter being flown off. So it was intense and it was eye-opening and it helped me see like all the different ways in which we as a mountain rescue team or search and rescue team can help folks, whether it's a really, really popular trail or somebody climbing a technical peak, like these people need our help. Um, So it just, a lot happened and I learned a lot and yeah, it was a great way to launch into this community. I was going to ask if you were questioning your decision to join the unit after, you know, the third mission came out, but I think Black Hawk kind of (laughs) made up your mind. It would, it would made up my mind. Yeah, I didn't know that was going to be a thing. Yeah. So without going too much detail, we're trying to to keep it. We're trying to keep it anonymous. But without going too much detail, do you know how the second mission, how that person fell? Like what happened? Was it just like they just tripped over? Yeah. So there's a on this particular trail that the person was on. There's a little bit. It gets a little bit. Uh, narrower not super narrow a little bit narrower but like really rocky and a little bit kitty litter so like stones that are easy to Mm -hmm. slip on there's also some rock steps in between and basically what had happened the person based slid on some of that loose gravel was unable to catch themselves before they slid down the basically a switchback yeah and just fell and so very much like it was not a vertical fall just very much a fall, like lots of cuts along the way. They're wearing mm-hmm. shorts and a little bit banged up. 
But there, there was cell reception, so they could call, call for help. Yep. Yeah. There was cell reception. And that's what's pretty unique about where Seattle Mountain Rescue does their missions is along uh, 90, which is a prominent highway in Washington. And most peaks this day and age have cell reception. So it's really nice that often people are able to communicate with uh, 911 and then thereby like the search and rescue deputy. And then what we recommend, and I I imagine Portland Mountain Rescue does as well, is people carrying satellite devices, two-way communication devices. So when you're out of service, so you can get our help. Basically. Right. At this age and time, they're not very expensive. And, you know, it's like $10 mm-hmm. per month or so you can do annual subscription too. So it's totally worth it if you're oh, yeah. there. And on the last mission on that volcano, mm-hmm. did you ever find out what happened? Yes. So we were able to uh, locate the person about two weeks later. And it was presumed that they either passed away because of the injuries to their head or potentially exposure. It was one or the other. It wasn't quite defined, but that, that is some of the realities that we do face as mountain rescuers is, you know, one, there's death, but also, also the uncertainty in, in how the person died. And so something that's really unique that SMR has been doing, and Anya, I don't know if you were there, is we've um, started partnering with Laura McLattery, who does resiliency yes. first aid. And so we actually have a resiliency team and we've been trying to partner with other organizations and to help create emotional first aid and resiliency within our unit and provide support and care. And we did host one down in Portland right before the pandemic. So in person, um, I assume. (laughs) Yeah, it was in person. A couple members from Portland Mountain Rescue showed up. It's really great to have a resource in in Laura. So. Yeah, our very first podcast was about psych first aid, and we talked about mm-hmm. Laura. And so folks can go and, and listen to it, because it's not only for search and rescue, but it's for any climbers. I mean, with, mm-hmm. with our hobby, we lose a lot of friends, and it's it's hard. So there are tools there that, that you, can, you can get for free, and uh, you can get support. So that's super important. And we also have resiliency dogs, which are very cute. So they're dogs that are trained to, I think, smell out pheromones. People release pheromones and different smells based on their anxiety and stress level. And so we have these three puppies that come to our trailheads and help, you know, provide support for our members returning back to the trailhead or families that are waiting in base. So Sherry, those three last missions that you talk about, they're kind of depressing and sad. Can we talk about one with a really good outcome that you could share? Yeah, definitely. Because we do, we definitely have a lot of positive outcomes. It's interesting. I think a lot of us tend to fixate on, oh man, what could have gone better? But yeah, so yeah, I would say a lot of the missions I've been on have had really positive outcomes. So I'll talk about one we had last winter. Something that all mountain rescue units do is train in their various specialties. And so one of our specialties is snow and avalanches. So this is in the winter and we're doing some avalanche rescue work. We're, you know, practicing uh, finding people that have been buried with an avalanche transceiver that are wearing it as well as practicing using different techniques for finding individuals that do not have a transceiver. So there was a hand, I think six SMR folks practicing on that this weekend and we're up at Snoqualmie Pass and doing that. we kind of wrapped up our day and we're back at the car and all of a sudden we get this page that we have some clipped out skiers nearby. We're like, looked at it and we're like, we're here. We're five minutes away. And we're like, yeah, 
friggin' go. Yeah. So it's really cool. Like Snoqualmie is beautiful. The terrain is really easy to access, but it's like intense. There's, you can get yourself into trouble pretty quickly. It's, you're in pretty, you get into complex or challenging avalanche terrain, you know, within a mile off of a lot of very popular snowshoe and snowshoe routes and beginning backcountry ski routes. There's And there's a lot of activity up there. Anyway, so the forecast, the avalanche forecast for this day was low, meaning it's, it's unlikely that you will trigger an avalanche. When it's low, oftentimes people start exploring and poking around in more technical or steep terrain. And so this group of folks decided, hey, we're going to go ski this couloir. Like this couloir is going to be great. They're like, I'm, they're starting to push their, push where they're at. They're like, yeah, good avalanche conditions. Not going to die that way. Let's do this cooler. They do their planning. They do all that. And they skied into this cooler. The cooler hadn't quite filled in, meaning that it, it required a repel and they did not bring repelling equipment or any technical equipment, meaning yeah. an ice axe or crampon so that if they had traveled far enough downhill, they were unable to go back uphill. So they were stuck on basically a ledge and uh, over about a 20-ish foot rock kind of mm. cliff base. They couldn't go up, couldn't go down. They called. They called 911 and were like, hey, yep, we're stuck. And we were nearby. We got to the, we all did, we're all able to travel to the trailhead. We looked around to see what we had, like as far as personal gear, because we have, you know, our own personal gear and we do prefer to use company gear when we can. Uh, just for, you know, risk management purposes and whatnot. Uh, so I think it was the five of us went through, we're like, okay, we have a couple of ice axes, a couple of crampons. We do have some, we have two 30 meter ropes and we have some webbing and runners so we can improvise anchors, whatnot. And I think we had a couple pickets. We started going up. And the reason why we wanted to be hasty is like, even though the avalanche danger was low, Night was coming, so we were concerned about hypothermia. We mm-hmm. also knew that there was an incoming storm that was going to mm-hmm. increase the avalanche hazard. Mm-hmm. So we decided to go in faster rather than wait for our company resources. So mm-hmm. went out, and so it's about four o'clock in the afternoon uh, when we decide when we hit the trail. And so it was about thirty to forty-five minutes after we, we received the page, and so we opted to go get, and we had a coordinate for where the a rough, an approximate coordinate for where that's really the, that's really fast, thirty to forty minutes. That's really yeah. really fast. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, we tried. Yeah, that's unusual. I mean, it's because we were right there, right? Yeah. And so we're like, hey, we should take advantage of the fast of the fact that we're right here. And yeah, and so we, and we knew there was other resources coming in behind us. So we decided instead of we weren't going to repel down to these folks, rather we would climb up. We looked at the train and we just ultimately agreed that this would be fastest and probably the best way to reduce our hazards to um, to avalanches. You know, beeline basically towards the bottom of this couloir and it had started snowing. It's a basically we kind of divided forces on each side of the couloir and landed on one person going up um, because there was starting snow was coming in small sloughs. So small avalanches were starting to be released. Mm-hmm. And again, it was something that we could manage and felt confident. So this individual went up, climbed up to these, these folks, set a rappel station off of a tree and helped these individuals down. And what was really challenging is these folks, by the time they had called, we got the page out, had our plan, hiked in there. I think they'd been standing still for about three hours. Even though oh. we were fast, they were literally edging on their skis for three hours above the snow. Oh, my glacier. goodness. Yeah. So they were holding cold, to their dear lives. Cold, terrified, and, and they knew help was on the way, but literally, like, unable to move. And so, like, definitely bodies were not willing to, like, physically, not that 
not mentally, but like the bodies are like kind of frozen in place. And so mm-hmm. it was a lot of just work getting people's bodies and, you know, like moving again. That took a fair bit of time to get the, the folks down onto solid ground. Mm-hmm. And by that time, it was pretty late. Don't actually remember the exact time. I could probably look it up. Got everybody down to and out of basically where the snow would funnel if there was an avalanche down at the, the run out of the avalanche and got into trees and out of harm's way. The three folks that that we helped rescue just they had the energy to just go. And so so they which was awesome. It is harder if if you know people don't have that energy and you have to stoke that fire and stoke the the and you don't the want to carry them to out. out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so they were able to like power out on their own. And so what was really cool is we had a couple other units come in and so Spart its ski patrol rescue team. They operate primarily up at Snoqualmie Pass. They had a couple of their members come in with some extra resources behind us, but more importantly, they they found a route that was just a little bit easier to negotiate on the downhill than the route that mm-hmm. we came up. So it was a little bit mellower and not as treed. <laughs> and Perfect. so they found a descent option that was great. And then Kittitas search and rescue unit was able to bring in some snowmobiles and provide some transport that way. So once we got down on the road, they were able to like swiftly get us back to the car. So it's just like another good example of different units coming together and creating like a really positive outcome. Um, for teamwork. I know. So it's always great when, when that happens. And I think there's lessons learned from like both, you know, Seattle mountain rescue, as well as the three skiers and it ended really well. And there's, yeah. So, so let's talk about lessons learned because I I can Mm -hmm. see what, what could have been done better on their side. Doing the, the route, uh, route planning and and route, route planning, I think is important. You know, that like in particular guides book do say for that Kular early season, you might need to like specifically just making sure to get as much information that you can when you're trip planning. But as far as everything else throughout up was, was great, but they, you know, it was just more of like this tiny little piece of terrain that doesn't show up on maps can be surprising because if you think about when you're looking at a topographic map that if you're familiar with them, a USGS um, one to 2,400 map, right? They're 40 foot intervals, right? I mean, has anybody seen a 30 foot cliff, right? So those 30 foot cliffs aren't going to be captured in those 40 feet foot intervals, I wouldn't want to fall off a 30 foot cliff. Right. right. So just so, being like really understanding that the, the terrain that you're going in, um, I, if it, there's, if it's a cooler, you're not really sure about maybe having like some extra backup gear. Um, I typically for cooler skiing, grab a, an ice axe. If it's, if it's a new one for me or something that can help me in case I do mess up. Cause it happens. I've totally messed up. So I'm not perfect. I don't think any of us are. And so just having um, the ability to like improvise something, if something goes on, it goes wrong. Right. But ultimately they did well, they were able to stay warm and fed mm-hmm. so that they could stay up there for three hours. So, so do you remember how long the whole rescue took? I believe it was, it's funny. Cause I remember leaving a little bit before midnight, but we had a debrief. We got the page around three 30 ish. I would say around seven to eight hours. It's Even not, though you were almost right there. So something to yep. keep in mind, if, if there's an accident, yeah. it, it will take time. It takes so much more time than you'd anticipate. It was just that technical piece of terrain and having one person helping with the the rigging was was ultimately took a lot of time. And a lot of resources because you had, what, three mm-hmm. different agencies showed up? It was, it was, I think it was, there might have been Explorer Search and Rescue as well, but I don't, I never saw them. 
Yeah, in King County, we have nine search and rescue units. Oh, nice. So, and you yeah. guys work together yeah. a lot, I bet. Yeah. We do. Yeah, we have. And we each have our own little special specialty area that we kind of mm-hmm. lean on each other for. So Sherry, every, every month now we do a trivia question. And I ask you to come up with one. And I believe you have a really, really cool one. So if you want to ask the trivia question. Yes, we, I do. Yeah, that would be awesome. Cool. So here's the trivia question. After you've called 911 and you're lost, what is the very first thing you should do? Help your rescuers find you. If you know, you can email us at rescueradiobypmr at gmail.com. And you can win some pretty cool PMR swag. So it's again, it's rescue radio by PMR at gmail.com. And we have a winner for the last month or the last episode. But before I reveal the winner, I will read the question again. So the question of our last trivia was, if you believe you have a hypothermic avalanche victim, how long should your vital signs, your pulse and respiration check take? And the answer is up to one minute. Normal CPR guidelines is 10 seconds, but if you have hypothermic patient, it should take up to a minute. And our winner is Lavinia Turian. Congratulations, Lavinia. You'll be getting email from us and uh, we'll get back, um, we'll get you some swag. So again, if you know answer to our last this episode trivia, it's rescue radio by PMR at gmail.com. Sherry, anything else you'd like to add before we part? Stay safe out there. I don't know about Portland, but in Washington, we're experiencing a lot of snow high up in the mountains. So it's just not going away. So make sure you're, you know, kind of tracking the weather forecast, taking a look at the Northwest Avalanche Center to see if they have any special bulletins. They had one last week. Just be careful when you see snow. Keep your eye out for avalanche hazards. Yeah, it's pretty unusual year this year. We get a lot of snow, a lot of rain and snow in the mountains for the last few weeks. So it's going to be interesting in the next few weeks. Yeah, you did have significant winds on hood. I saw that this last weekend. 70 mile per hour winds. Yep. Yeah. And a lot of snow. And I think there's going to be more snow this weekend. Yay for skiing. Sherry, thank you so much for joining me. It's so nice meeting you. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can check us out uh, on our Facebook under Portland Mountain Rescue. We also have an Instagram page also under Portland Mountain Rescue. We have a website, pmru.org. And make sure you subscribe. um, Hope to hear you next month. Thank you, everyone. 